0: You know, you'll uh, you'll sacrifice for what's valuable to you. You know that? That's why, you know, when God asks us to give up stuff, it, it, it's worth it. Because He's that valuable. You know, we were at... Uh, where were we? We were at Disneyland last Thursday. Friday. 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 I was there with... Uh, my awesome married into family, so a lot of fun. Uh, here's the thing we didn't know when we planned our trip uh, it's the 60th anniversary of Disneyland, and on Friday, some of you Disney freaks might know this, um, they open the park for 24 hours from 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. So we just happened to go on that Friday. Now, see, there's people that have problems, okay? They're consumed with Disney, and I don't know if that needs prayer or not, but um, a lot of people that are, you know, that's their deal. They were were there for this special event. We're just there because we're like, hey, we're in California. We're going to Disneyland. We're not here for a special event. We just want as few people as possible to be there. But it was the total opposite was there was as many people as possible were there. In fact, they... They shut down the park for a while. They stopped letting people in. They said, we're, we're too full. We can't let anybody else in the park. And so we were getting ready to leave because when you have small children and you go to Disneyland, just FYI, for those of you that haven't had kids yet, um, when, you, when you go to Disneyland or a place like that, it's great to go for a while and then leave in the afternoon, go home and rest, go in the, I mean to the hotel or whatever, just kick back, relax and then go back in the evening, start with dinner and then you're ready for a few more hours before the meltdowns begin at bedtime, okay <laughs> And it no longer becomes the happiest place on earth. Um, we tried to leave though, and they said you couldn't you might not be able to, you probably won't be able to get back in if you leave now. Then we're like, well we, we, even if we have a ticket and a hand stamp and all that no, they're just like, no, you can't get in It's... But it'll probably take you at least three hours to get back in the park. I'm like, well, I like Disneyland, but come on now. <laughs> three hour wait with a six year old, a three year old and a six month old. And Austin. No, <laughs> I just did that because he's not here. <laughs> he's he's working. So that's probably sleeping after work. But um. <laughs> Uh, no, thank you. So anyway, I was like, man, is that really true? And so we, we stayed till what, five or six? And we finally were like, this is this is enough. You know, when people are surrounding you and this is how you move the whole day um, and you're just, crowd that's as crowded as I've ever seen at Disneyland. Look, I grew up in California. I've been to Disneyland so many times, It's it's not even that cool to me. Okay, it's, it's not that fun. It's like, oh, Star Tours, big whoop. You know, Space Mountain, you know, come on now. Now, Captain EO, when they used to have that, that was awesome. Um, so, but I'd never seen it like this. And we left the park and we go to the shopping area called Downtown Disney. And there's a line. There's a line of people to get back in the park just to go through security. And that line went all the way through downtown Disney, which you can imagine how many stores and shops and restaurants are there. You walk for a long, 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 long time. The line was at the end. That's just to get in through security. So those people were going to wait two, three hours so they could be there that night for the new show. And they could stay up all night and wait in line at Disneyland and ride a couple rides, I guess. So but here's the deal. If something's valuable to you, you'll sacrifice for it. Those people thought that was valuable enough. We did not. <laughs> it was not valuable enough to us to wait and say, I'm going to come back. You know, it was my anniversary. That was my anniversary. My mother-in-law said, hey, I'll watch the kids. You can go back. That was before we got to the park. She said that. <laughs> <laughs> but even if she had taken up, she said, go ahead. You know, we'll, we'll stay in your room while the kids sleep and I go back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to get back into Disneyland and wait three hours to See some fireworks or something. I don't know. Um, But if it's valuable to you, you'll sacrifice. People do that. You know, there was people sleeping out. There was people asleep in the middle of Disneyland so they could have a spot for the parade at night. They were asleep all day. I mean, it looked like a homeless shelter. It looked like a home, like Skid Row. People were on blankets laying all over Disneyland. You're walking down the street. Have you ever been there like that? Yes, I know it's hard to find a spot. The other people are like, they're just asleep, sleeping on the hard concrete. They got a blanket. That's it. You're like going, it can't be that good, can it? I was like, hey, anyway, maybe it is that good. We didn't see the show. So the point is, if it's valuable, you'll sacrifice for it. And so when God asks us to surrender something, it's a test. How valuable is he in my life? He says, hey, I want you to stop. You know that you can't do that anymore. It might not even be something bad. Sometimes God tells you to give up something good just to just to test your surrender. Just say, hey, do I have your heart? Am I still number one? And if he's that valuable to you, then you'll sacrifice. You'll wait in line three hours. You'll do whatever it takes to get to that place, uh, you know, that that he's asking you to get. So anyway, that's just I I just I just encourage you, um, you know, as you walk with the Lord, let's let's. Let's make sure he's number one. Let's make sure he's number one. Well, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. I've got a just a couple of thoughts here, and really I'll share a little bit. My wife, that was a great message she preached earlier that was somebody else's message. Um, sometimes the best sermons you preach are the ones you steal from someone else. Amen? Um, so if it's good, go ahead and share it again. If you share it three or four times, I've had somebody say at some point it becomes your own. Um, you can just say, "I've always said," because you've said it so many times. So Romans 4. Uh, we were at, uh, for those of you that weren't weren't here earlier, didn't catch my wife. We were at Foursquare Convention this past week after Disneyland, um, and there wasn't as long of lines to get into convention, but it was very packed out. About four or five thousand people uh, in the Anaheim Convention Center. Pastors and leaders from all over the world. I think there's about 49, or, 49 or 83. Those two numbers are in my head of nations that were represented. Uh, from Foursquare all around the world. There's leaders. I think it was 49 national leaders were there. So in other words, 49 leaders of countries, basically the president of the Foursquare church in that country, were here uh, for this convention. So it was an awesome time. You can imagine the worship is amazing, just worshiping with people uh, from all over the world. Uh, there's nothing like being in a huge place to just worship with all kinds of different people. Uh, it's It's just so fun. But as she said earlier, there's a real focus on this convention about being sent. Uh, they were very intentional with the, with the speakers and the people they presented to us. Uh, you know, I was really challenged, you know, that, that we're, we are sent. We are all sent. We are all sent. If you're a believer in Jesus, He sent you. And then if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, He wants to get you to be a believer, then He's going to send you to somebody. Someone. Some family, some person were sent. You know, he commanded us to go, but he says, look, I'm, I'm sending you. I mean, Jesus believes in you so much that he left. That's how much he believes in us. Jesus says, I believe in you as a church so much, the people of God, I'm going to believe in you so much that I'm leaving. I'm going to heaven and I'll send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you everything you need. He's going to fill you. He's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. But I'm leaving. It's now I'm passing the baton to you. And so just in your world, remember, you're sent. God has sent you where you are. He sent you to the people that you are living next to. You know, there's, you don't just live in your neighborhood by accident. You don't just work at your job by mistake. God has sent you there. You are a missionary. You are on an assignment. And, man, what if we went into work if we were, like we were on an assignment, not like dragging ourselves in? You know, like, hey, what's God going to do today? I'm, I'm sent by God. You know, don't just show up so you don't get fired. That's good, too. Don't get fired. That's, my me- that's a good message, too. OK, don't get fired. But, but you're sent by God. God says, hey, you're the one that I want around these people. If he didn't want you there, he'd go ahead and tell the, your boss to fire you. <gasps> Especially if they hear God. <gasps> Every single person is different. That's why you all are so different. And my wife said, hey, the one thing we we're challenged with and it just catches you, you know. Find somebody to love and start with the person that creeps you out the most. I know some of you are thinking, that's why I love you, Pastor. <laughs> that's why I'm at this church. I've <laughs> but, start, you know, start with some, you know, there's people that are challenging. It's, I mean, what does Jesus say? Hey, everybody loves people that are like them. That's easy. I mean, everybody does that. That's not supernatural. That's not that doesn't show anything amazing. But hey, to love somebody that's different than you, to love somebody that you kind of makes you uncomfortable, to love somebody that gets you out of your comfort zone. That's a challenge. And so I have received that challenge and I pass it on to you because I don't want to bear that burden alone. (laughs) That weight needs to be shared. So, you know, we're 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 sent to love man. love, love, love. It was just, there was a, uh, sorry, Dan and Artie, you've already heard all our stories. We shared them at dinner on on whatever night that was, Friday. (gasps) There was a guy that was a a surfer. Um, He got saved uh, at some point in his life. Still looks like a surfer. You know, totally looks exactly like California surfer. If you have that stereotype in your mind, hair right down to here, it's blonde. It looks like it's been sunned a lot. Pan, like he goes to the beach every other day. Okay, he totally looks like a surfer. But he was, he got saved and he was, you know, walking with the Lord. He he got called to ministry and uh, he was serving in a church in Danville, California, which is a central California area. And the Lord said, I want you to go plant a church in Santa Cruz. If you're not familiar with Santa Cruz, California, it's in fake California, which is in northern California. Okay, the real California is southern California. Okay, just so you know. Okay, so Santa Cruz is up north, kind of in the Bay Area in general. Uh, And it's a very, uh, very liberal town, very, um, very free and open to every thought that's not Christian. Every other one but Christian is is good. But bring up Jesus of the Bible. Maybe Jesus is okay, but bring up the Bible in the church. Certainly not not cool. And so God says, hey, I want you to go there calls him to to plant a church, says, I want you to go. I don't want you to take a team, even though everybody tells you to take a team now. I want you to to just go and I want you to start just praying and start loving your city. And so they started just praying. They moved there to Santa Cruz. In Santa Cruz, only three percent of the population is a part of a Christian faith-based church. Three percent. I mean, the average for our nation is only between... Around ten percent to fifteen percent now. That's in our nation. Midland we might be we're in the Bible belt. People still go to church, some, so maybe we're at twenty. We're about at twenty. Eighty percent of the people in Midland do not attend a church at least once a month. Once a month counts as regular, right? <laughs> we'll just say once a month, okay? You know, it was regularly. That's that's mind boggling, isn't it? There's a lot of people in need. There's some people that are just that have wandered away. They're believers and they've just wandered off for one reason or another. You know, they might have been hurt. They might have just lost relationships. They might have just had something happen in their life. They might have, you know, had a life situation that took them out of relationship. They never got back. I don't know. Some of them are those type of people. but A lot of them are people who just don't know God. They've heard about him. They may have grown up and went to church, but they don't really know Jesus. They've never had an encounter with God that changes their life. I mean, when you know him, you know him. And that's it. There's no, it's like, you can't convince me not to follow Jesus because I've met him. That's what we want for everybody. It's not that they just go to church, that they not that they even just read their Bible, but they, have, they know Jesus. And they're like, you can't talk me out of it. I've, I've experienced something that changed my life. That's what it means to be saved. It's like everything's different now. So they went to this community that was very unchurched, very liberal, very, uh, you know, kind of anti-establishment type place. Uh, So kind of. A little suspicious of anybody in authority or anything like that. that's going to tell you, don't tell me what to do. We're just hanging out at the beach, having a good time in Santa Cruz. Right. And so he goes there and they start praying. They start loving people. They gather. They get they, they weren't supposed to take a team because God sent him people. He sent him about 20 people and they started praying in their living room. Lord, what, how do you want us to reach our community? How do you want us to love people? And so they, they felt like the Lord said, hey, start serving pancakes down at the beach because everybody's at the beach on Sunday you know they ain't going to church they're at the beach you got to go where they are sometimes so they they start serving pancakes at the beach they're meeting people they're loving people they run into this skate park and the skate park says hey there's nothing for kids so they start a skate uh skateboarding for those of you that are, don't know what that means um <laughs> so they start skating with kids and teaching kids to skate, teaching them all this stuff. But they're also teaching in the Bible. They're teaching them about Jesus they're, that their kids begin to get saved. This huge thing. There's nothing for kids to do in Santa Cruz. There's a ton for adults, ton of partying options, a ton of, you know, beach options that are, you know, not for kids type things. Uh, but there's not a lot for children and, and young people. And so they just kind of get involved in all kinds of stuff they don't need to be into because they have nothing else to do. And so they open up this this skate park and it became Skate Church. And so they're reaching all these kids. And the community likes it because it's taking the kids off the streets. It's taking the kids off 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 of the drugs. They're not getting into the stuff. And they're seeing stuff. And so they're reaching their community. They're loving people, serving pancakes, teaching kids to skateboard. It's not necessarily hard. So where you're at, you don't have to figure out some amazing way to be sent, you know, figure out what God has called us and you to do you specifically and us as, as a church body. And so it's amazing to see just the faithfulness of God. And um, uh, they, they had a building given to them by another church when the skate park, the, the skate park itself closed down due to some issue. I don't know if it's a money issue, but so what they do, they prayed. They all got down on their knees that next week said, God, we need a place. We need a place that week. That week, someone, a pastor, another pastor calls them and says, we want to give you our building. (laughs) We just want to give you our building. And, you know, they built a skate park in that building. So now they, they are the only indoor skate park in Santa Cruz is skate church, skate church on Sunday. Throughout the week, they're reaching out to people. Isn't that pretty cool? It's awesome to just hear stories. Look, hey, that doesn't that may not work in, in Midland. You know, the, the culture is different. We're definitely not like Santa Cruz. <laughs> Nothing like Santa Cruz. OK, and so, you know, we don't need to be like Santa Cruz. We need to say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, how are you saying to to touch our community? Because it's going to be different. And so but it's still done with love. It's got to be done with love. And we were challenged to love, we were challenged to love the least of these. You know that scripture that says, if you've done it to the least of these, Jesus says, you've done it unto me. Imagine if I went around, that's Matthew 25, if you need to look it up in your Bible. Imagine if I went around encountering people and I said, that's Jesus, how am I going to treat him? That would change it a lot. There's one of those speakers, I love these stories because it, it scares the you know what? Out of out of pastors, you know, he says, "Yeah, I preached it." I don't even remember which speaker it was, but he preached at a conference, you know, or a church. No, he's at a church visiting. It's a large church. He preached at the church, and you know, it was a great time or whatever. He's getting back on the airplane, and trying to get to the airport, and there was all kinds of problems with the transportation and this and that and blah blah blah. And you know, the taxi driver was giving him a hard time, or something was just—it was just all wrong—and he was getting upset. But instead of saying that, he just was very kind and very, very gentle and thankful to the people that were helping him. And one of them said, you know, he's oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. He's like, and they said, hey, good message yesterday. Because they, <laughs> they were there and the people that he was about to get upset with. Can you just get me to the, my gate and get me on the airplane? One of those people saw him preach the day before. That scares us pastors. Like, you know, you never know who you're around. <laughs> you got to just, hey, treat everybody like Jesus. You're never going to get in trouble, right? You're also going to do things that you wouldn't normally do for them. If I see that person as Jesus, it helps me overcome the barriers of what I see on the outside where I'm saying, okay, Lord, how am I going to love this person? So I'm, I'm being challenged. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not there. I'm just saying, Lord, I surrender. Help me, help me get to verse 2. <laughs> help me get to step 2, God. What, I don't know how many steps are on this program you got me on, Lord, but I want to move on to the next step. And I want to be able to love people. And So if that's helpful to you, I, I pray that that is helpful to you. The other thing I was really encouraged in is in the area of, of faith. And so I want to read scripture on faith. Uh, Romans 4, if you're there. Don't like that place. Romans 4 and verse 18. This is Abraham. It's a classic uh, account of Abraham in Romans. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And we're... We need to realize sometimes we forget that we're a people of faith. We forget that we're a people of the unseen. We forget that we're a people of declaring things that weren't as though they were. Um, one of my, i could say he one of my mentors, uh, was, was a main speaker at convention. And he was a mentor of mine for six weeks. Okay, I've, I've probably told this story before, but it's so cool because... When you're at a convention, a large gathering, you're with four thousand people and you actually know the person that's speaking, you have a little bit of different connection with them than some dude that you're like, I've never met you before. You just there's a little bit more of a trust built in where you're like, "Okay." And uh, one of the pastors there was was this guy's name's Jerry, uh, Jerry Dearman, And uh, how I met Jerry was. He was. uh, He was a youth pastor of a large youth group. In the area of California where I was. And we were in Monrovia. And right across the way. A couple cities over. You know in LA it's just city, 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 city. You cross over one every couple minutes. He was in El Monte. He was at El Monte Four Square Church. And it was probably the. the. It was a main church in that area. There's 300 four square churches in Southern California. In a 30 mile radius. So it gives you a little bit different picture of four square than out here. Where it's like Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's Lava. Oh, yeah, we've got to try two hours to get to the next one. Well, Odessa. But um, so we had lost our youth pastor. He had moved on to somewhere else. I don't remember what youth pastor it was. I'm getting too old. This is like 20 plus years ago. Um, I was 16 years old. I was going into my senior year of high school and... We had a change in youth pastor. And for six weeks, Pastor Jerry Dearman, who was a youth pastor of a a youth group of about 300, uh, came to our little youth group of about 10 for six straight weeks and spoke into our lives. And I'll never forget how he treated us. He treated us like we were the most important people in the world. Even though I don't even know how he got into it. He might have been going, oh man, I have to... I have to do this, you know. Oh, gosh, can you fill in for six weeks? Like, six weeks? Man, there's only 10 kids there. I'm used to 300. I don't know. He pro- Hopefully he didn't have that attitude. Maybe I would have. Maybe that's why I don't have 300. But <laughs> So anyway, but it meant so much to us that he spoke into our lives because I knew who he was. And I saw him become the national youth director in Foursquare. He began to pastor a church. He started a church in Anaheim called The Rock. It now has multi-thousands of people in it. It's reaching their community. It's a very vibrant, thriving church. He's planted a Spanish church. He planted uh, two Spanish churches out of his church. He's planted. He does, He's a white gringo. Doesn't you know? He doesn't know anything about Spanish. Um, <clears throat> maybe Taco Bell. Um, and he's in the middle of planting a Korean church. Starting a Korean church in his. You know, but he just has a heart for his community. He's like, "Who do we need to reach? We've got all kinds of different ethnic groups and 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 language groups in our area. We need to reach. We need to plant other churches. We need to start stuff. So he's planted multiple churches, some in other languages, and so it's just a, an amazing thing. And so when I see a guy like that, you know, he, he's of course the typical convention speaker. You know, convention, you want to have somebody who's been successful, so to speak, but who's really hearing from God and seeing things happen. And so he's up there speaking, he said, and he told us a story, though, and it, it really connected with me because I know him, even though I don't know him. I mean, he would recognize who I am if we crossed in an elevator, which we did a couple of years ago. Hey, how are you? Probably doesn't remember my first name, but he knows who I am. Why more? And so... You know, Pastor Jerry's telling a story. He's telling us lots of testimonies. But then he says, you know, but but the Lord had to rebuke me about my lack of faith. They were facing a challenge in their building where they needed to. There was some fence along their parking lot. And. Uh, he would ask every week, um, hey, do we have the money for that? Uh, let's get that taken care of. Well, no, this came up. This came up. They were doing a remodel on the other side of the building and something else was going on. Sorry, pastor, we're don't. we we're not there yet. So next week he's asking, hey, do we have money for that yet? No, we can't take care of that yet. Oh, do we, do we have the money for that? This just this, this went on and on and on. And so finally, uh, he's in his car. He says he listens. He listens to other preachers. He says, I want to listen to three anointed messages a week from other pastors and preachers. And ministers. So I want to not I want to listen to somebody who believes the promises of God, who's gonna who's gonna call me, who's full of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea too. Um, and so as he was listening to one of these and he was stepping out of his car, he felt like the Lord says, Why aren't you using your faith with that fence? Use your faith. You know, when he began to think, he said, when he first started the church, they didn't have money. They just depended upon God and they trusted God for everything. And now he was in a place where he himself, he's confessing this, where he's like, he's waiting for the money because he's like, well, we can't do anything until I see what's going to happen. And God says, faith happens. You do something. So you do see what happens. Use your faith. Sometimes we have to use our faith. We're like Abraham. We cannot waver in unbelief. We need to speak those things that are not as though they were. So here's what Pastor Jerry did. I love. To, I'm telling the story just like him because it was really good. He says, "I got out of my car. I went over that fence. I looked left and right to make sure nobody was looking, <laughs> and I." <laughs> He said, that's what we all do, doesn't it? And he, I laid hands on that fence and I said, in the name of Jesus, you move. Get out of here, fence. Out loud. Out loud. Then he went into his, his staff meeting with his leaders. He has an extensive staff. I'd guess it's probably 20 or 30 or 40. said, OK, here's what we're doing. We go outside. We've got to lay hands on this fence and we're going to command it to go in Jesus' name. We're going to use our faith. And so they all went out, all his staff and they're all laid hands and they speak to that fence and they commanded it to leave in Jesus name. Well, the next weekend, you know, this was coming, right? <laughs> well, the next weekend at church, somebody shows up, starts talking to him after service. He's greeting new people and fan high and, and they say, hey, um, I noticed that fence out there in the parking lot it looks like you need to expand. And it, that's in the way. And, uh, do you want, do you want to get rid of that? And, uh, Jerry says, yeah, I want to get rid of it. And he says, well, I can do that for you. And of course, as a good pastor, he says, I, I needed to ask a couple questions. It's like, Hey, sure. Go ahead. Do it tomorrow. You know, he's just asked, Hey, so what is, what do you mean by, I'm going to, I can take care of that or I can do that for you. What does, what does that mean? The guy began to explain, you know, who he was and what job he has. And, you know, he was a general contractor here working on another job and, but in his, in his spare time, he would be willing to do this for free. In <laughs> this project, I, he didn't tell us how much it was cost. I'd say it was multi-tens of thousands of dollars at least. So uh, it was a significant project. And so, use your faith. Use your faith. Just like Abraham here. He did not waver through unbelief, it says. And man, was Abraham perfect? No, he made all kinds of mistakes. But he kept his, his, he was holding on to the promise of God. So you might, you know, you might make mistakes. You might go this way and that way. But look, you're holding on. You're holding on. And sometimes, you know, we need to hold on to the promise that God has given us. And I think there's two things with faith. There's two things with faith. We have to believe who God is. And we also have to believe who God says we are. There's, you know, how do you waver? It says, it says, Abraham did not waver. But what causes you to waver? Is it, is it, is it fear? Is it just uh, uncertainty? Like, man, what if it doesn't happen? The what if, you know, play the what if game? Is it... Is it distraction? Is it you're just distracted with so many other things that you're not really focused in on the things that God has for your life? You're not you're not pressing into him. You're not you're not spending time in the word of God. You're not pressing in to know God. Because if you don't do those things, you're not going to operate in faith. You're just going to wander through life. Is it because of guilt and condemnation? You're like, man. You just feel unworthy all the time. Look at all the stuff I did in my past. Look at all look at what I've done before. You know, there's guilt and condemnation stops you, makes you waver in your faith, so you don't take, so you don't boldly declare the truth of God. I mean, faith looks like so many different things. I mean, think about all the descriptions, the stories of faith in the Bible. Sometimes faith looks like desperation, like the woman, you know, with with the issue of blood. It was desperation, her faith. Was desperation. Sometimes faith looks like um, like authority. When Jesus calms the storm. Boom. He just takes authority over that, that thing. What does faith look like? Sometimes faith looks like just trusting God every single day. Doing something over and over again. And saying, God, I'm still believing in you. I'm still believing in you. I'm trusting you. Like Joseph did for 13 years. He was believing that God was going to fulfill his his dream. So, what causes you to waver? You know, is it is it your view of God or is it your view of you? Because if you're if you're a son or daughter of the King, then guess what? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Second Corinthians five verse twenty one. We put down on the screen for me. This is a great scripture to use to memorize. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, some of us need to get up in the morning and say and start our mornings off a little bit differently. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's good to declare that. Say it out loud. You can look both ways. Make sure nobody else is in the room if you want to. But say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am that. You know, it's a great song from the 70s when several of you weren't born yet. But I was born then. So I was very young when this... Actually, no. This was in the early '80s, but it was out of spurred out of this, the '70s revival and the charismatic renewal and all that stuff. And and it's a song by Chuck Gerard, and it just says, "We are the righteousness of God, because Jesus lives in me, because Jesus lives in me." Look, it's not it's not about you. You're not you're not lifting yourself up. But if you see yourself as less than the righteousness of God, and you're a believer in Jesus then you're saying that Jesus in you is not enough. I mean, it's not, you're, not, you're not lifting yourself up. You're lifting up Jesus because he's saying, look, I became sin so you could be righteous. So what if we started our days? Hey, let's, let's acknowledge God, say, Jesus, you're Lord. And then, because you're Lord, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, there's some things that I will not tolerate in my life, because I'm like, hey, does this look like the righteousness of God in Christ? No, then that's not for me. That's not who I am. That's not who God says I am. And so faith comes from both sides, where we it's knowing God, but also knowing who God has made me. And if either one gets off track, then I'm not confident in using my faith. I'm not going to be bold. I'm not going to be talking to fences. Can I be a little transparent with you? Thank you. One of the first things I did when I got back is I came in, in the sanctuary on Friday. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of chairs in here that we need filled. But I felt like the Lord said, hey, you, you need to use your faith. So I made sure none of you were here. You weren't. And I started talking to all these chairs. I start I started talking to these chairs. Say, get here in the name of Jesus. There's people that need to be in these chairs. And you know what? Once we fill up these, we got more back there. We got plenty of chairs. We don't have a chair problem. Okay, <laughs> definitely not a chair problem. So hey, join with me in believing. Is there a chair next to you that's empty? Maybe there's a whole section that's empty. <laughs> Next to you. There's people that need to be in these chairs. And we need to use our faith. We need to sometimes say, you know, we're going to start declaring. I remember Brother J.D., one thing he always did at prayer meeting every once in a while, he says, hey, we're going to call people in. We're just call them in from north, south, north, south, north, south, east, and west. We always had to take a second sometimes to figure out what direction. But... You know, there's something to that, because when you're doing it by faith, you're using your faith. You know, I don't see it. I don't even see how that could happen, God. You know, whatever. You know, all those different things, it doesn't matter. We're going to use our faith. Let's stand. And we're going to go eat. Lord, we just thank you for what you have done in us through our time of of celebration of Jeremiah, Lord, through our time of worship, through our time of just being together, through our time in in the Word, being encouraged by testimonies. Lord, we thank you for that. And so, Lord, we we just ask that we would see you as you are, that you are Lord. As that song says, you are above all. And so you're the king. You're, You're number one. And so we want to have you as that in our lives. But also, Lord, we don't want to sell what you've done in us short. We don't want to sell ourselves short. So, Lord, we choose to believe that we, that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want to live with that declaration. Jesus, your Lord, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You know what? Both statements lift you up. Lord, and we want to see you lifted up, Lord, help us use our faith, Lord, no matter what situation we're facing this week, that we would stand with confidence and with boldness and with peace and rest and with authority and speak to situations where we need to use our faith. And so right now, Lord, we come into agreement, Lord, we come into agreement that you fill these chairs in Jesus name, chairs be filled. Fill this building, Lord, with people who need to be here, Lord. Help us, Lord, reach out to the ones that we need to bring in. Some of them you have sent us to, Lord. And so we choose to be sent. We choose to be sent with love. Lord, fill us with your love. That song says at the end, fill me with thy love and power. Lord, we need both. We need your love. We need your power. Lord, we want to love and we want to show them that, God, you're real. It's not just talk. Jesus really exists. The Holy Spirit is really doing things today. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for encouraging our hearts, for spurring us on. And Lord, bless our food and our fellowship. Lord, thank you for the time that we can share together and just enjoy a meal. In Jesus' name, amen.